Hello, I'm Andrew Harrison. Surprise, surprise, it's a Papercut special edition. What is this, you might well ask? Well, you need to know that if you're not a member of the Papercut Supporters Club, then you're missing out. Specifically, you're missing a daily extra bit where our crack team of panellists talk about another story that they've fished out of the whirling jacuzzi of newspapers. It's the special Easter egg of paper cuts, and you can get it every day if you join the Supporters Club. Just follow the link in the show notes or go to back.papercutsshow, two S's in there, dot com. You won't just get the special extended show, you'll also be helping to keep paper cuts going and proudly independent. We've been really taken aback by how many of you have pitched in to support us over the past few weeks, and we hope you'll join in too. Now, we've got a special compilation edition here for you, so let me hand you over to Miranda Sawyer and Alex von Tunzelman with the best of the extra bits. Yesterday, the Daily Star had an exclusive, boffins, always, confirm you don't have to change your underpants every day. Not sure I believe that, but they followed (laughs) up on that story today with a wonderful list. 20 thongs you never knew about your undercrackers. Love the word undercrackers. Now, Marcus, you've had a look at this groundbreaking list. So what have you learned? I have. I've learned, well, a, a number of things. The first is I feel less ashamed about my underwear habits than I used to. How bad are they? (laughs) Well, apparently I'm very advanced and extremely clean. This has been put together by Nadine Lynch, which is a lovely name. (laughs) What a splendid name. It sounds like a name from the chaps, we need to do a story about undercrackers. Uh, Lynch! (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Call Lynch. So uh, so there are great, uh, there are 20 facts Uh, things or thongs that you never knew about your undercrackers. Number two, I liked. So the study discovered Northern Irish blokes have the dirtiest drawers with 10% wearing them four times before giving them a rinse. Oh, you dirty beasts. Yes, I know. But what I really liked in that is the use of the word rinse. (laughs) I'm afraid if you're operating your underwear system where you wear them and then rinse them... You're, you're, Just splash a bit of water on the No, exactly. There, these ones are fine. Look, I've, I've given these a rinse. Uh, if there are uh, people again. in Northern Ireland listening, uh, I'm sorry about the accent, but it is yours. Um, so anyway, they're, yeah, they're, they're dirty buggers, apparently. So this is a good one. Carrie Fisher apparently didn't wear undies in Star Wars A New Hope after director George Lucas told her there's no underwear in space. <laughs> George I don't want as a long standing Star Wars fan I don't want any further evidence that George Lucas is a bad guy (laughs) I was already in the there may not be underwear in space and there are very few black people as well just because Chewbacca doesn't wear underwear doesn't mean everybody else is not is going commando unless they actually are commandos like the rebels Chewie only wears a utility belt and no pants (laughs) you wouldn't want to see Jabra in a thong naked Wookiee (laughs) naked Wookiee action gross now this is good the British army developed antimicrobial underwear that soldiers can wear for months why are they not commercially available because then nobody would buy new underpants marcus it's capitalism oh that makes sense it does doesn't it like the cure for the cold that they're hiding 
My dear friend, uh, Rob Rouse, brilliant, brilliant comedian, has taken to doing pant cage reports from TK Maxx. So he goes in and films, <laughs> films the pant cage in TK Maxx, which by about 10am, if it's opened at 9.30, is already an absolute train wreck of pants. So I'm envisaging something like the dome at the end of the crystal maze with yeah. pants just John, flying it's, everywhere. It's, it's mayhem. So have to grab some pants. I believe that people in TK Maxx try the pants on while one part of it is still attached to the security tag in the box. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. So here's a question. British men own an average of 13 pairs of pants according to research and a tenth of male population has some underwear that's a decade old. I have underwear that's a decade old. I'm not wearing them right now, <laughs> but I, I definitely... You silenced the Marks studio. and Spencer's undies is very, very durable. Yeah, long-lasting. Yeah, in, in the future, when humanity has fallen, there'll still be Marks and Spencer's undies. What for you... And they will say it was of religious significance. What for you are the big key indicators that a new pair... Is it? I mean, have you ever used the word perished? <laughs> yeah, basically, when the when the bit when the perineum area is completely gone and you're effectively wearing a miniskirt, that's when it goes. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, I'm not sure which comic it was. Someone described men's underwear of a certain vintage as being a string of elastic with bits of lettuce hanging. Yeah. Off. <laughs> but conversely, apparently, women have an average of 34 pairs of pants. Right, that's a lot more. Would you care to comment? Three times the amount. Well, I mean, I do have quite a lot of pants. Yeah. I mean... Uh, Apparently, uh, most women have, on average, 14 pairs for best. Oh. Well, we all remember being told as kids, make sure you've got clean underpants on in case you get run over. Yeah. And you're yeah. dead, and they say he was wearing day on the pants. How many extra pairs of pants? If you're going away for three nights, how many pairs of pants would you pack, on average? Three nights. Five. About five. Mm. Four. Most people, despite the fact that most of us probably don't shit ourselves very often, <laughs> treat holidays as if, well, I'm pretty likely to shit myself. <laughs> no, no, no. I think you just like changing your pants because you might change for the evening meal in yes. a way that you wouldn't. Or perhaps you know, in hotter home. weather. Yes, you might, you might sweaty. have You might have filled your drip tray. Um, <laughs> stop me if this is too gross. It's a lovely image it to is leave really... our listeners with. This is what you pay for. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> they get the quality of Absolute filth. I've got one last one here for you. This is a rather tragic story. In 2013, American Denver Sinclair, another great name there, who was 58, mm. suffered death by wedgie. <gasps> oh, God, what? that's awful. How? Killed by a wedgie when a drunken argument with his stepson ended with the lad pulling his underwear over his face, <laughs> suffocating him. So, I mean, if, if it was genuinely pa- death by wedgie, if the bottom part of the pant was still around his business and he managed to get the rest of it up high enough to suffocate him, that's already... <laughs> he's already sliced in two, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> No surgeon in the world can fix that. No. no, no, no. We're not getting them out, even with a crochet hook. <laughs> Good lord! <laughs> so there you are. Basically, if you've got if you've got enough pants and you're changing them more than every four days, you're well ahead of the curve. So I feel rather pleased. The Guardian has done another one of its rank lists, this time for Dolly Parton songs. We have issues, don't we, Scott? I'm livid. I'm absolutely <laughs> seething. So much that I feel like I want to write a letter. 
That's the level of scandal that I'm experiencing, particularly when you look at the full list, which is only online, but the printed list, which is a top 10 mm. song celebrating the 50th anniversary of the album Jolene. Well, can I tell you, can I tell you that this was definitely didn't consult the LGBTQ plus community ever <laughs> or anyone who's ever done a Dolly Parton song during karaoke. It comes from a musical perspective where people have listened to it and deciphered the structure of the song and the music. No. So let me just, a few highlights here. Uh, I Will Always Love You at number three. Mm, that's a bit weird. I mean, it's, I mean that is a number one contender, isn't it, really? That's a very heterosexual approach, I think you'll find. <laughs> Four, Islands in the Stream. Technically, for me, number one, it's the one that you hear murdered in every northern bar on a Saturday. I live in Manchester and there's one pub that constantly, from the moment it opens to the moment it shuts, has karaoke. And it's just almost like they're doing a Dolly Parton marathon every time. And it's like Gene and Derek getting up doing Islands in the Stream or like... And it's just stunning. So the fact that that's not at number one, homophobia. Number nine, <laughs> nine to five. Number nine. I mean, fine. If you wanted to put that at number one, I get it. It's a camp classic. People love it. But technically, I think this is journalism at its worst and I never want to read The Guardian again. Okay. Well, I think we can all agree that nine to five being a nine is a disgrace. It should at least be raised to five. <laughs> Um, no, uh, listen, I'm going to respectfully disagree with you, Scott, here, although we are on the same page that, the, that these are in the wrong order because I'm going to say Here You Come Again should have yeah. been number one. It's an absolutely sensational song. I made us all listen to it before we started. Yep. <laughs> Written I by Barry Mann song. and Cynthia Wilde. Brilliant bit of songwriting. Oh, it's so good. Full of colour, full of heart, full of sincerity. Jolene, I think, is a bit sort of... It's a bit Johnny One note, you know? I, it's not a song oh, that... wow. Wow, wow. Prepare me for such big Sorry, critique. sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I just don't think it's got the ambition, you know? Mm. Whereas 9 to 5 is full of ambition. It's the spurned woman. She's like, no, I've had enough. That's it. I can see what's going on here, love. Yeah, so would you put that at number two? Oh, good question. You see, see I think saying... I will always love you. It's above that. Yeah. Especially Dolly's version of it. Yeah. It's just beautiful. Yeah. 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 I would see I would say I would always love you could be number one or number two, but I think. It's always that moment where you tell people, Oh, do you know that song's written by Dolly Parton? And, and you I, I wish I could like encapsulate that moment because it's the shock that people are like, No, really? Did she? I thought it was Whitney Houston. You know, it's like a beautiful yeah. And it's such a different version. So Whitney Houston is like a kind of power through, mm. isn't it? It's like, don't worry, I will always love you. Everything's going to be great. And and Dolly's is so heartbreaking mm. that actually, I mean, you know, there's no way I could put it on before we started or we just all no, no, we'd have all been in bits, wouldn't we? Yeah. No, because Whitney's one, she sounds like she's trying to sing a wall down, doesn't she? <laughs> Whereas Dolly actually just sounds like this is a, this is heartbreak. This yeah. is what heartbreak sounds like. There is yeah. a story that she wrote I Will Always Love You and Jolene on the same day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, she's just she amazing. Well, she yeah. must have taken a week off after that. Must <laughs> she? she never takes a week off. She's no. Dolly. Yeah. Dolly World, Dolly Books, <laughs> Dolly Politics. Yeah. The whole lot. Yeah. Dollywood is the name of her theme park, isn't yeah. it? Yes. It's yeah, amazing. yeah. It's a pilgrimage to some. <laughs> <laughs> but evidently not the journalist that wrote this piece. <laughs> The Telegraph property section, which is crack to the Telegraph reader, 
has <laughs> refined their crack to an even finer, finer form with the headline, Is the Middle Class Kitchen Dead? Alas, it says, Le Creuset, that bastion of middle class kitchens, is in trouble. Sales of the French homeware brand's goods fell nearly 20% last year with profits dropping more than £1.5 million. Le Creuset's managing director puts it down to the cost of living. And it's also true, says the Telegraph, that 525 quid, the cost of the new green 24 centimetre Christmas edition casserole with a star-shaped lid is an awful lot to spend on a pan. Apparently, um, Argus are also finished and that whole sort of like sit in your incredibly posh middle-class kitchen writing your romantic novels or reading your romantic novels. It's all over and done with. Ava, what's going on here and should we care? Yes. What's happened is Le Creuset have created a pot that is unbreakable and mm-hmm. will last forever and now they are very shocked to learn that people aren't buying multiple Le Creuset's <laughs> because the product they already have works. Yes. But I, I nearly bought one of these novelty Le Creuset's actually. A did you? Of, yeah, I did. It was really embarrassing. <laughs> I nearly bought the pumpkin version. As a, <laughs> and I had it in my hands and I was walking up to the till and I was like, what are you doing? How much was it? Quite, I don't want to tell you. It's hundreds of pounds. It was a couple of hundred. For a fucking pumpkin. And then I realised what I was doing and realised I needed to pay rent. And that was, <laughs> these two things weren't compatible. <laughs> and I put it down. A pound that you use once a year to make pumpkin spiced something well, or I, other. I love Halloween. And I thought mm. it would look really lovely on the side of my kitchen. But that's... That's, for that's one, one night of the year, though. Yeah. And I don't have a middle class kitchen. I don't have an Arga. So that's the other thing that is under... And Argus are terrible. Argus are awful. Argus is like you might as well just burn a load of tyres with some endangered dolphins inside it. It just like they're on all day, pumping out heat. The planet hates Argus. But middle class people are turning off their Argus now. They're having them disconnected. Are they? Because it's too expensive to run them okay. in the cost of living crisis. Fair but enough. I'd like to experience an Argus. I'd like to know what it feels like. <laughs> I want to know how an Arga feels. I have a constantly hot oven in my kitchen. But they just want to walk around in T-shirts complaining about the heat. The Telegraph is terrified that the middle class is going to die out, isn't it? They're like the David Attenborough of yeah. people who wear Bowden and have gilets and wellies in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. It's not really a middle class issue, though, anymore, this no. sort of kitchen, is it? It's more of a, it's an upper middle class issue. Well, this is the Telegraph's yes. definition of middle class is actually really posh, rich people is the middle class, always worrying about school fees. The actual striving middle class. The Telegraph sort of looks down on them somewhat. Yeah. You know. I feel like the Telegraph are looking down on me because I only have one Le Creuset and I rent. Rent the Le Creuset, make a few quid. Jason, have you got a little Le Creuset? Yeah. What have you got? I've got a cassoulet, an extra large cassoulet and three saucepans. Are you worried about the death of the middle class kitchen? No. Me neither. No. Um, I do like this piece, so there is some... Can I read a little bit of it? Go on, then. I don't think the middle-class kitchen is dying, declares Fiona Mackenzie Johnston, house and garden magazine's agony aunt. (laughs) Fucking job description and a half. Um, What we're seeing, she says, is an increased emphasis on back-of-room houses, so other rooms that go with kitchens, like pantries and laundry rooms and those sorts of things. It's true that hashtag pantry goals has clocked up 325 million views on TikTok. There's a world I don't exist in, isn't there? There it's, really is. This is this, this is Lady Button from Ghosts who's been interviewed, <laughs> living in a fucking huge house that hasn't changed since 1910. What about the other rooms in here? What other rooms? Yeah, pantries and larders and Bed- undercrofts and all those other things. You know. Bedroom, front room, kitchen, toilet if you're lucky. And apparently, the, uh, the, here's a good thing. The latest trend is for two dishwashers. On what, what? planet? Why? why? Well, why is, yeah, that's question one. How is question two. Where is question three. And the final question is, what the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) 
How do you sign off your emails? Little did you know this might be the key to your personality, says the Daily Star. Rob, what's going on here? This is, I mean, my eyes are opened. Um, <laughs> uh, Kelly Landry, a 37-year-old writer and comedian from Los Angeles, um, and we should listen to writers and comedians yes. is what I think. Mm. I yes, mean, absolutely. These are, these are the people with the wisdom. <laughs> she says that how you end an email reveals all sorts of things about you. Ending an email with thanks means you sound desperate. Oh. A lot of agents and managers use BEST. If you want to come across as confident or unsure how to end email, BEST is the best one to go for. But uh, apparently, cheers, which is what I tend to use, means you're adventurous. Oh, <laughs> very exciting. <laughs> I hadn't realised I'd been sliding into people's emails in quite that way. But um, apparently I am. <laughs> we also learned that uh, many thanks is considered pretentious. X just portrays confidence and mystery, apparently. I don't think so. I think it's just a bit inappropriate unless it's a friend. Very truly yours apparently means fuck you. And sincerely is the sign of an imposter, Finn. Oh, that's interesting because I say fuck you, but I mean very truly yours. <laughs> do you think a lot about sign-off emails? Do you know? I do think there are things that, that come across as passive-aggressive written down, especially if you're asking some, something of someone. And then it's too, it's almost like too cutesier. Thanks so much. That's like, fuck off, I'll do it. You don't need to, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Sugar yeah. me up. Yeah. I mean, in, uh, you did it early in my days in journalism, um, use with great respect to mean with absolutely no respect at all. Mm. With great respect. <laughs> great respect. Well, yeah. Not as a sign-off, but just, you know. Um, oh, right. Because if I read that, I'd be like, well, you're clearly saying I don't respect you at all. Yeah. I recall. Why are you bringing respect into this? Number 10 correctly understood yeah. what I was trying yeah. to say to them. <laughs> <laughs> I sent an email back saying with even greater respect. The thing is, you're bringing in concepts that then you suddenly think, oh, what, they don't respect I, oh, I thought you would respect me. That's yeah. what I'm <laughs> Why is this in doubt? What yeah. are we even discussing here? Following the law, Finn. That's what, <laughs> what, what have you done? Why so that's that how you there? sign yeah, off, yeah. obviously. How about you, Rob? What are you using? Well, cheers. No, cheers, cheers. You're just you know, using cheers. I just use cheers. I feel it's sort of, it's it's safe. It's adventurous, apparently. Yeah. I, I say, suggest, suggest I might be drinking. <laughs> but, um, I say season's greetings, but in July. Just fuck, that's nice. Just that's fuck nice. with their head. Really mess with them. Yeah. yeah. Didn't say what season. page of G2 is a really lovely picture of eight happy, very elderly, slightly wonky looking dogs under the title They Deserve Love, Last Chance Pets and the People Who Rescue Them. And so we've given this to you, John, so that you start blubbing. I'm, gonna, I'm literally going to read it out and then just see how far in we can get before somebody's, somebody gets emotional. In a car on the way back from an animal shelter with a 12-year-old chihuahua on his lap, Steve Gregg felt peace. For months, since the death of his dog Wolfgang, he'd been inconsolable. I couldn't make sense of it, he says. Wolfgang had been hit by a car. Oh, no. But it's good news because he adopted a chihuahua, who he named Eeyore, who was the oldest dog in the shelter, who had a heart murmur and four, count them, four bad knees. <laughs> but he spent that car journey looking out the window, wagging his tail. Yes. Because he all knew he was safe now. He knew he was going to have a happy retirement. And it went so well that Steve Gregg has since adopted ten other dogs. <laughs> 11 elderly dogs. I mean, there's a picture of Eeyore. He looks very nice in a little kind yeah. of... Um, he's got a little red jacket on. You're unmoved, aren't you, Gronya? I just think some sometimes animals need to die. Oh, Gronya. Oh, my God. I just think sometimes, you know, is this about them or is it about you? It's about you, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the 
to do is what these people do is they go to animal shelters and these, I mean, you know, some of these poor elderly dogs, what's happened is that basically their elderly owners have died mm-hmm. and then they're put into a into what is essentially a care home for the dogs and it's not very nice for them. So if you are into kind of adopting the elderly dogs, you then take them home and you give them a nice last few months Mm -hmm. before they, you know, shuffle off this mortal coil. And they are shuffling because a couple of them have got very bad legs. And um, the story of Eeyore is one, Charlie is one. I like Charlie. He likes likes porridge, Charlie. Oh, yeah, apparently if you say the word porridge, he perks up. Uh, But he has to eat porridge because he has no teeth. (laughs) He can't chew. Let him go. He wants to go. All dogs go to heaven. He'll be fine. There's a story in here about someone who's got a couple of blind dogs, so like they can't walk. Like he just has to literally put them out because they can't find their own way out. And if he if he stops paying attention, they sometimes get lost. Um, it's like uh, Steve Gregg, who we mentioned at the beginning. Uh, his dogs range in age from eight to nineteen. Uh, he takes them all out for a walk. Five can walk without problems. The others usually have to sit in a wagon. When he takes them all out for a walk, do they all come back? <laughs> does he, when he says, I lost one in the park, does he mean lost or lost? <laughs> uh, the RSPCA runs the Elderly Animal Rehousing Scheme, which you will notice the acronym for that is EARS. Oh, like, Granny's just going to die. She's going to puke. <laughs> There's someone here who's like an, an A&E doctor in Manchester who looks after five elderly dogs. I know, she's just a saint, isn't she? She is amazing. It's the final paragraph. I mean, <laughs> Granny, we're going to get you, Granny. We are going to get you with these pictures of these wonky dogs with the final paragraph. Greg's last chance dogs have taught him a great lesson, he says. The advice I always have if you want to make life better, realise that it's not about you. The people I've seen that are most unhappy think everything is about them. Once you realise that almost everything isn't, which is what the dogs have taught me, life is so good. That everything is about them. He's giving an interview about how amazing he is for looking after these dogs. These dogs that just want to sleep. They've had a good life. They've been good boys. But just so this guy has a purpose in his life, they have to keep crawling on every day on the broken legs. On the bad knees. Uh, can I tell you, my dog Henry has had a haircut and he's very sad. Oh, you see? He's like, it's like the most traumatising thing that's ever happened. Well, he acts like it's the most traumatic thing that's ever happened to a dog. Having read this feature, I can yes, tell you exactly. definitively. <laughs> Just show not. Henry the feature. But also, like the other day, like he, he barks in his sleep. Yes, they do Which do is that. Really like when he's dreaming, which is very sweet. And he was doing quite sort of distressed sleep barks. And then he ran into the room and cuddled my legs. And it's like, oh, you've been having a nightmare. <laughs> oh, you see? That's what Steve Gregg is giving these dogs, Gronya. <laughs> the fuck is wrong with you? You're a fucking monster. Listen, my husband barks in his sleep. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> And that was the best of the extra bits. Want more? You know what to do. Go to the link in the show notes or visit back.papercutsshow.com to join the Papercut Supporters Club, our very own secret army. And you'll get an extended edition with an extra bit every day. Thanks for listening. See you next time for another Papercuts. Proud to love animals. <laughs>